Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just give the Lord a shout of praise if you're hearing me in the house? Hallelujah. 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 Sovereign God, we truly are so grateful to you. We exalt you. We lift you up. There is none like you. Before time was, you are. Hallelujah. And you forever will be because you are the self-existent Lord. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we ask that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will truly be acceptable to you in the awesome name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really want to give God praise. I want to give honor to the spirit of the living God. I want to give glory to him because he alone is worthy. He alone deserves all the praise. I want to greet the ministers of God. I want to greet the people of the living God. I really want to greet Pastor West, I want to greet Minister Burley. I want to greet all those who have been called for such a time as this to engage in this awesome task, that of bringing glory and honor to God. We understand the privilege that we have. And we were just led into that session and Minister Burley, I want to tell you that the Lord was ministering to me about posture. The Lord was ministering to me about presence, about perspective. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that the Lord was truly ministering to me about those points that you raised. So I see the overlap and I see the awe of the mighty God. And truly, he is deserving of all our praise. And so as we really just dive into what the Lord wants to say to us today as he continues to minister to us. I really recognize that this is truly a cry. It's a cry from our heart. And more than anything else, I want that to be the cry of my heart, the cry of our heart, because the truth is, if we do not pause to recognize that we are insufficient, if we do not pause to realize that we cannot make it by ourselves, then we really will be in the wrong posture. And that is in essence what the Lord would have opened to me in terms of posture. Because as I pondered this word, the Lord would have me look at Exodus 33. He would have me look at this reality that the people of God, they were en route. Hallelujah. They were going to a place. They were going to a place that the Lord had called them out to because he wanted to use their life as an exposure. Hallelujah. He wanted just as he wants to use our life today as that exhibit. I want us to understand the awe of God as he was leading his people. And you know, when we look at this situation in Exodus 33, what jumped out at me is that Moses, hallelujah, having an experience and more than just a casual experience with God. Moses having a lifestyle with God. Moses having that kind of what we call liberty, you know, that constancy in the presence of God. When Moses heard the Lord's declaration, I want us to listen carefully. When Moses heard the Lord say, I am not going to go with you. I'm going to send an angel with you because if I go with you, hallelujah, where there is stiff nakedness, 
where there is the wrong posture. Hallelujah. It may not turn out so well for you. Can I say to all of us who are gathered here today, as our hearts make this cry to the Lord, I want us to understand that in the presence of the Lord, whenever the Lord comes, transformation has to happen. Hallelujah. Whenever the Lord comes, shaking has to happen. Whenever the Lord comes, rearrangements have to happen. Whenever the Lord comes, thundering has to happen because we are talking about a shift in the atmosphere. We're talking about the God who cannot be contained by elements. Hallelujah. We're talking about the God who cannot be restrained. We're talking about the God who sits high but still looks low, still extends his grace and his mercy, providing that glorious highway for us to walk on as we make our way to him. So I want to say to us quickly that as we issue this invitation to God today, oh, come to us, Lord. I want us to understand that the issuance of this invitation really is saying about us, Lord, we are ready for transformation. Lord, we are ready to have our lives turned around because there is no way you can come into our presence and we remain the same. Our posture has to change. Our perspectives have to change. Hallelujah. And that is really what the Lord would have me look at today. That as we call, it is really signaling that our hearts are crying. Crying for God's help. Because it is only God who can help us in this time and so we need god to help us realize hallelujah and realign with the vision what is the vision ephesians 5 27 tells us that he might present and I know Minister Burley spoke of this already. I'm telling you the awesome God we have. That he might present, and that word present means exhibit, put on show for others to see. And it's speaking about it, his church. Hallelujah. Church, I'm saying to us, the Lord is telling us the vision, you know, that vision statement, that we will certainly be that exhibit for the world. But what will we be exhibiting? The word says that we will put on show for the world to see Christ himself the glorious, and we're talking about splendid, we're talking about honorable, we're talking about of high repute, and we're talking about a state where there is the constancy in that move towards a freedom from sin. Hallelujah. Because the truth is a church. When we are truly going to be that kind of exhibit for the world, exhibiting the power and the awe of God, we are going to be presenting to a world something for which they must hunger, something for which they must thirst, something that is going to be pulling them into a new place, into a new experience, something that is going to cause an awareness to rise up within them that, hold on, I am lacking something. So if the church is to be the church. The church has to make waves, hallelujah. The church has to be present. The church has to have the presence. The church has to have the presence of the living God. 
Hallelujah. And look at what the word says. We are continuing in our vision statement. It says that church not having spot. Hallelujah. You know what that word spot really means? It says moral blemish or disgrace. So we're talking about the church of the living God, the ecclesia, as we heard about that called out one because the Lord would have us know he really concretizes this information today by having it repeated. We are the called out ones. We have been called out because we've got to be that which represents Christ in this world. A world that is full of crises has to receive the Christ who alone can bring these resolutions to the crises. And so the mission statement, the vision statement of the Lord to his church is that the church will eventually be presented, hallelujah, without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing that we should be holy, morally pure, sacred, without blemish, and it means unblameable. It sounds almost impossible, but I want us to understand that the word of God says, be ye holy because he who called you is holy. It means he has given us everything. He has equipped us. He has enabled us to walk into the path that he has called us to. And so as we start with the vision, it is important for us to always bear in mind where our destiny lies, where our vision should be, where our eyes must be, because he wants to sanctify. He wants to set us apart. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to make us free from all the defilements of sin and faults. He wants his church to be washed clean, better than how water and soap can wash us. It is the word of God that's gonna wash us. And again, for the repeat that the Lord would have us hear and understand, he's washing us with the living word. Hallelujah. The rhema word, the living word, that which is alive, and so it can go into your space. Hallelujah. It can go into your room, wherever you are now. It can go into the sanctuary, that building, wherever you are now, because it is living. It can find right where you hurt, right where you lack. It can find right where you are showing those spots and blemishes and it can bring about the transformation because it is alive. That's the word of the living God. It has been uttered by the living voice and we understand that the living voice already declared that nothing that leaves from him will return to him void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent. And so today we ask the Lord, the living God, to send that word because it must bring transformation in our lives today. And so as we cry to the Lord, there are some just background stories that I want to bring as the Lord laid them on my heart. And of course, being considerate of the time, I really just want to get right into what the Lord laid on my heart. So Psalm 38, verses 21 and 22, Lord, do not forsake me. And again, I want to look at this 
psalmist as he spoke in his condition in his situation i want to look at that reflecting what happens with his church with his people so we it, right where you see the square brackets there with the us that's really just my putting in there for us to associate with this psalmist it says lord do not forsake can we say us at this time do not be far from us our god come quickly on to help us our lord and our savior i believe more than anything else that's the cry. And so as we go through, we're going to be crying to the Lord to help us. And the reference text that we're looking at, Genesis 3, 1 to 10, I want to take us right back to the very beginning. I want to take us back to a place where the people who the Lord created and placed on earth to reflect him who he placed and designated specific boundaries of protection because he defined for us what morality is. The very people that he called and named out and would have chosen to represent the called out ones, we understand that some interruption happened. And just as we can all associate with in our daily lives, there is this constant interruption called the devil. We understand that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. And can I repeat that as Paul clearly declared, it is a wrestling match that we are in. It is not a casual stroll down the road to church Sabbath morning. It is not a casual waking up every morning and just greeting God with a hello. And, and in the night, we say, good night, God. It cannot be something like that. We've got to understand that the Lord is declaring to us through the Apostle Paul that we are in a wrestling room a wrestling arena and therefore what will be constantly bombarding us is requiring our response it is requiring our proactive actions it is requiring us to understand what we are up against and there are so many times that temptation for us to just be sidetracked by the things that the enemy shows us. You know, like he showed Eve in the garden. He said, look here, I want you to understand that God did not mean the best for you. He knew that the day you eat of this, this, this particular thing he has restricted you from, he didn't tell them it's because God loved them, you know. He only told them that this was creating a lack in your life. He only told them that this was creating a barrier in your life. And that, of course, striking at the heartstring and causing this, this deception and this, this churn of vision to happen, which is what happens in the derailment of our lives so many times. This is what happened to the people that God called out and their eyes, their physical eyes were open. Can I tell the church of the living God that if we're going to live for him, we've got to get into that place where we are looking deeper than the physical eyes can see. We've got to get into that posture where we are looking beyond what the naked eyes see because the naked eyes will cause us to yield to the feelings, the fleshly lust and desires. But when we begin to look on the inner part and begin to look into the spirit realm, we understand that there is so much more to life than we can really see. And so Satan will cause us to be deceived. 
Because if the wrong perspective is what we're approaching life with, then deception is certainly going to be a result. Now we understand as their eyes were opened, they began to see that they were naked. They began to do things their own way. They sowed fig leaves as ridiculous as it sounds. They sowed fig leaves hoping that this would protect their dignity. Can I tell somebody that if we move outside of the will of God, our dignity just cannot be preserved. If we move outside of the will of God, we will certainly be naked. We will be devoid of that protection, that garden, that enclosure that the Lord really desires to place around us so we can be preserved. We are going to be outside of that realm the moment we walk away because of what our physical eyes show us. And we try to solve our problems, but they cannot be solved by mere physical means. So the sowing of fig leaves, creating aprons to cover themselves was ridiculous as really that in itself cannot cover the true depth of the problem of mankind, that spiritual depravity when we walk in disobedience to the awesome God. And so verse 8 tells us they heard the voice of God walking in the garden and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Do we understand, church of the living God, that there are so many times now that all we are doing is that we are hiding away from God? I want to say to us, we do not have to live our, our lives in hiding from God. Because when we live our lives in hiding from God, we cannot make the kind of impact that is required by this world. The impact that this world needs so that this world can truly experience the transformation. And so you look at the screen and you notice your life upside down. Isn't that what sometimes our lives look like? Why does our life become upside down? It really gets upside down when what is at the center of our lives is our own will. When what it is that we are seeking after and pursuing and running after is anything that will just make me feel good and me look good and all of those things. When those things form the center of my life, my life will be upside down. I'm talking to the church because today is the day for prayer and today is the day for the transformation since we invite God to come in. We want him to show us where the problems lie in our church, in us as individuals, because if we don't address that, we would have literally wasted the day. We need to come face to face with this reality. We've got to have a heart check. We've got to check the heart and our character because at the end of the day, what we need is to be brought back on course. The truth is the Lord wants to rearrange our lives. It is going to be possible when we truly adopt the right posture, the right perspective, and understand that the only way to get back on course if we find ourselves off course is to truly surrender everything to God. So when we say, come to us, Lord, we are saying, help us get back on course. 
Lord, help us to get back on course. We want to have our hearts checked before you. We want to have our hearts cleaned before you. We want to have our hearts closed, closed not to you, sovereign God, but closed to the things of this world, closed, mighty God, from the wounds of this world, because this world certainly will bring wounds to us. And we finally want our hearts to be clothed by Christ so that all that comes out of our heart is reflecting him alone. And so the futility of Adam and Eve's decision to sow fig leaves and cover themselves couldn't really work at all. The Lord himself intervened from that very moment and we would have been directed to see that the Lord made the way for all of us, every human being who would ever come on this earth to be covered, to be covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So the Lord literally covering them, showing that it is only through his covering that we can truly be sanctified, set apart, and preserved for the life that he expects us to live. We are saying, oh, come to us, Lord. Help us live in obedience to your will. That is the prayer of my heart for the church, for the church of God universal, for the church of the living God right in our space. Every one of us on this call today, we want to submit our hearts to God so we can live in obedience. You know, the other story is in chapter four of Genesis, when the Lord actually issued that important word to Cain. He said, look at this situation, Cain. Sin is lying at your door. In other words, there is this very real situation that the challenge that you are facing now because of your own choice, because of the kind of sacrifice you offer, because you are not truly giving your life in complete surrender. You have the wrong perspective. You are thinking outside of what you should be thinking in terms of what you give unto God. You're not giving unto God because you're trying to be ritualistic. You're giving to God worship because you understand he deserves worship. You understand he is the only wise God. You understand he is the source of your strength. You understand without him, you can do nothing. God would have come to Cain even before Cain made that decision to kill his brother. The Lord would have said to him, sin lies at your door, but you have got what it takes to overcome. Can I say that to somebody today, that even though the temptations are there, you do not have to surrender. You do not have to succumb. You can stand the test because the reality is God has given you, he has given all of us the power to resist the enemy. The word of God says, resist the devil and he will flee. The word of God says, you must, you shall rule over him. God has given us enough power to overcome the enemy. We've got to stand understanding that. So as we ask the Lord to get us back on course, we are to ask the Lord to stay, to help us stay on course. Staying on course really means having all the time only the right perspective, knowing that even when you're facing troubles, even when your back is against the wall, you understand God will never start something he never intended to finish. God will never lead you into a situation that he had not already provided the way of escape. 
out of that situation. You know, I want us to understand that even as we try and we are pulling ourselves together, even now as the word of God ministers to each one of us, I want us to understand that God wants us to own the responsibility for the quality of our experience with him. You know, Cain was very jealous of his brother Abel. But the truth is that both of them were at the same starting place. Each of them had the opportunity to give that which God required, that which could please and glorify God, but one chose the wrong way. And that one who chose the wrong way in the end of actually wanted to Blame God for the very action that resulted from what he first did. And so I want to say to us, there are times when the devil wants us to be deceived and we start pointing fingers and we start explaining why we're not on fire for God anymore. We start to point at the brother and the sister. We start to think about all the past and negative experiences. I want to say to each one of us that the Lord allows us opportunity to come into his presence. We do not have to blame anybody for the quality of our Christian experience. We have that opportunity to walk close to God because he says draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you we've got to omit the victim mentality we've got to observe to do only what pleases God that is what we need to get to that place. That place has to be reached before we can truly be the kind of showpiece that the Lord wants his church to be. Because as we cry out today, we are saying, oh, come to us, Lord. Help us make the difference through genuine ministry. The truth is so many times the work of the church is left undone. The work of the church is not being done properly. So many times the work of the ministry is really hanging because our lives have become cumbered with all of the cares, all of the other things that are supposed to be on the outside. And so we find that our lives can't truly make the kind of impact, can't truly make the difference as we have been called to make that difference. Can I say to us, as we are going to be praying, we are saying, Lord, help us make the difference through genuine ministry, ministry that is not really just for show. Ministry that is not so that my name can be elevated, not ministry so that somebody else can know who I am, ministry only so that the Lord our God will be exalted. What is ministry? True ministry is about taking the heart of God to people where they are. That is what ministry is. It is when we can take the heart of God to the broken. Hallelujah. It's when we can take the heart of God to those who have backslidden. It's when we can take the heart of God to those who have been pushed aside and feel like they have no other way and feel that they are going to go under. Ministry is taking the heart of God. When we take the heart of God, look at what he said to Cain. He said, where is your brother? 
Can I ask that today of each child of God on this call? Where is your brother? Where is your sister? Do you know that your brother, your sister, could be that infirmed one lying somewhere on the street? Do you know your brother, your sister, could be that one hospitalized with no one to visit? Do you understand? that your brother, your sister could be that child on the street who is fatherless and motherless, no food. Do you know that your brother, your sister could be that one sitting in the pew, but actually really hurting and crushed and broken and bruised and destroyed just at the brink of death? Do you understand that God is calling his church today to rise up and to go in search of that brother, in search of that sister. Who is it that the Lord is calling you, each one of us, to go and reach? Is it that estranged child? Is it that estranged husband or wife? Is it that estranged cousin or family member who is absolutely looking almost unreachable? Do you know that there is nothing impossible with God? Where is your brother? God is saying he wants to lead us. And as we turn the searchlight into our lives and into the life of the Faith Seventh-day Baptist Church, I want to say, where is the heart of God leading Faith Church this year? Where is he leading the Women's Fellowship for 2022? Where is he leading the men's fellowship? Where is he leading the youth department? Where is he leading each one of you collectively in his body? His heart continues to go out to those who are broken. As we pray, we can't ignore what we need to be praying about. And this is why we are highlighting through the leading of the Holy Spirit those areas that the Lord wants to call us to as we call him to come among us to bring the transformation. So finally, I want to say, as we call on the Lord, come to us, Lord. We are saying, help us endure to the end. Do you understand the overlap in Minister Burley's statement here? It's not about just starting. It's about how we are going to finish. God is going to take us through. He's going to take us to the finish line. I want us to understand as we are in the time of the end, that when we are facing the time of the end as we are in now, we should not be surprised by the wicked attacks from the enemy. We should not be surprised by the onslaughts of the enemy. We should not be taken off guard because the Lord did tell us that the time is coming when it is true endurance that's going to really count for him. He started it from the very chapter we're talking about. He showed us that there would be a great conflict a conflict that would span the, 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 the times that we would ever live in. He said there would be hatred between Satan and between the people of the living God. The seed, there would be conflict between good and evil. There would be conflict between righteousness and unrighteousness. And there is something I want to highlight. As the Lord said, that Satan's head, Satan's authority, the last one that Satan is bringing in to, to wreak all kinds of havoc, that ultimate manifestation of Satan's power, trying to destroy your life, 
for each one of us, it could look different. Hello? Some of us face some challenges and we think, God, this is the worst one ever. Can I ever make it out of this? Can I ever get out of this? Look at what God says. He says that the seed of the woman would definitely crush, break Satan's authority. Can I tell somebody today? that God has all the power to crush Satan's hand in your life, to crush Satan's hand and his power in your family, to crush Satan's hold over the church. And so we can stand in confidence. Though the word says he will bruise, that's the devil, will bruise the heel. And when I look at the word heel, it's talking actually in a figurative sense about the rear, the end part of the army. Can I say the last portion of God's chosen people, those who will remain standing, those who will know that they are up against the enemy, those who have the right perspective and adopt the right posture, they will know without the shadow of a doubt that it's not supposed to be surprising them that they are going through the problems they are facing. Because God says, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The word of God says, but he who shall bear the trials, the he who shall have the fortitude, the mental fortitude, the strength, the strength of character, understanding you're going to stand the test and not quit. The Lord says, you shall be saved. It takes the power of the living God within us. And that's why Peter would tell the church, we have a lively hope. Because even though we know these things are coming against us, we understand the power of the living God who we serve. We understand we have more than enough to keep us afloat. We have more than enough to keep us standing. We have more than enough to show to the world that we are his called out ones. Why? Because we who are kept by the power of God through faith, we are expecting, living with expectancy for that great deliverance. We are living with expectancy because we know how it will end for those who determine to stand up to the end. I pray today, church of God, that though fiery darts and trials and situations come against you, you will stand the test. And so as we pray, as I close this session in prayer, I would want to invite all of us to look on the screen, to look in our lives, to look wherever in our church. And I'm not talking about just faith church. I'm talking about the church overall. I'm talking about my life, your life, our life. Is there any spot that needs to be erased? Is there any blemish that is really stopping that vision? So we can't really be living that kind of life so that we can be the showpiece for God in this world. Are we gossiping? Are we indulging in idle speaking, lying? Are we lukewarm? Is our Christian experience stagnant? Are we a poor witness? Are we just lazy and complacent? When there is work to be done in the ministry, find somebody else, I decline. Are we absent? Are we just living our self-absorbed lives? What is it? Are we indulging in idolatry? Are we having other gods? It sounds really bad. But anything we put before God, we have to be careful about that because it could very well be idolatry. Are we jealous? Are we in greed? Are we selfish? Are we just proud in? Are we living 
a life where God is not being glorified. And you know, there's this little one that is left in red, self-righteousness. Because if we are not able to look honestly into our lives and find the faults, we could be guilty of self-righteousness. And you know, the Lord told the Pharisees, I can't work with you because I never came to call the righteous. I came to call sinners, those who will recognize their need for God. And so even as we call the Lord to come to us, we want to pray at this time that each one of these things, if they are resident in our lives, as we pray, they will go. They will go. And we'll ask the Lord, help us get back on course. Help us live in obedience. Help us make the difference. Help us endure. Because God, more than anything, we need to be ready. We may not be able to pray as the speaker before said, but the Holy Spirit resident within us, our helper, he can teach us to pray. And so for the next minute, I'm gonna invite us as we ask the Lord to teach us to pray. As he reveals everything within me that needs to be submitted to him. May it be your heart's cry. We must know his will. We must know his way. Heavenly Father, we thank you, mighty God, that you are awesome in all your ways. We thank you, mighty God, that you have made a way, a way for us to come to you, Lord, a way for us to seek you, a way for us to know without the shadow of a doubt, Lord, that when we come to you on your terms, you hear us. So I pray, sovereign God, that as we come to you today, we will come with the right perspective. We will come with the right posture, a posture of submission, a posture, mighty God, where we are prepared to pour out everything within us that blemishes everything almighty God that leaves that spot everything almighty God that is stopping us from truly being that showpiece from truly being that image of Christ to a dying world God, you have called your church for a reason. You have placed us here to be that which brings restoration because you have given to your church the ministry of reconciliation. A world, mighty God, that is estranged from you. A world that is confused, a world that is truly Babylon, a world that is in confusion, mighty God. I pray that you will cause your church now to rise up, oh God, to turn that searchlight in God, to hand over to you, God, to hand over the key, mighty God, so you can be the driver. Hallelujah. God, there are times when we invite you, but we want to keep the key. 
I pray, mighty God, that you'll cause us to understand that when you come, when you respond to the invitation and you come, you must get the priority. You must get the principal position. You must be the center of our focus. You must be the director of our lives. You must be the one who steers the direction. God, I pray for this church. I pray in the name of Yeshua that your covering, oh God, will be over this church. Lord, I pray that you will grant vision and grant mighty God that you will lead in a powerful way, mighty God, that every area of ministry that lies dormant, God, you will cause an awakening, mighty God, a resurrection, mighty God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I pray, sovereign God, will rise up right now in this church, God, and bring to life everything that's broken and dead. Mighty God, as your spirit led Ezekiel, hallelujah, and he saw the dry bones, as he saw the death, as he saw the brokenness, as he saw the scattering, I pray in the mighty name of Yeshua that you, God, even now will prophesy to every bone that is dry, mighty God. You will cause your spirit, mighty God, to move mightily and will awaken every dead bone, every brokenness, God, will come to the realization that you are the resurrection and the life. Nothing that is broken in our individual lives. Hallelujah. Nothing that is broken in your church. Hallelujah. Nothing, mighty God, that is broken in our cities where our church, your church, is called to impact. Nothing that is so broken can ever be at the place where your power cannot fix. And so we thank you that you will fix as we align ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.